Hello and welcome to the award-winning Canine Hoopers World podcast. Everyone's invited. Hello everybody and welcome to season three episode 37 of Canine Hoopers World podcast. Now today we are heading over to Wales and I have a very, very lovely guest. Now, our paths actually crossed um, at hoops competitions. So um, we've kind of waved from afar uh, when we have our dogs. And then when we don't have our dogs, we can actually come and say hi and have a proper conversation like normal adults. So today, I would like to introduce you to the very, very lovely Tara. Tara, hello. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I am good. Thank you so, so much for joining me. Um, so, Tara, for people that don't know you, who are you and what do you do? Cool. So I am a fully qualified veterinary physiotherapist. Um, as Carrie said, I'm based in, well, I'm based in North Wales. Um, and I work for myself under the name REC Veterinary Physiotherapy. So... The first question, I guess, is going to be, what's the difference between a physio and a vet physio? So, oh, so are you meaning like a human physio versus a animal vet no, physio? I'm, I'm assuming like everyone's going to guess that you work with dogs. Like yeah. <laughs> if, if you're a human physio, you suddenly start touching people's dogs. That's just weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you're just being a weirdo. So, yeah, because... Um, Obviously, in, in the dog world, there's lots of parts of our industry that's very unregulated, and yeah. including training. Um, it's one of the things that pisses me off the most that anyone can call themselves a dog trainer. Is mm. it kind of the same with, with therapists? So anyone can kind of go, oh, I'm a dog therapist today and set up yeah. a shop? Okay. Yeah, it literally is. It's not a physio or vet physio is not a protected title. And um, so, yeah, anyone can go out and and uh, call themselves vet physio. You see it a lot in hydrotherapy and um, people decide they want to, they like swimming dogs. And so they open a pool and off they go. And because people don't know that it's not regulated or it's not protected or anything like that, it they make a business out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it's not protected and those people aren't necessarily qualified. And, you know, if you do it wrong, you do more harm than good, don't you? So it's, Well, exactly, because I know, like, with Dodge, he, free swimming for him, like, swimming in an actual pool is is a treat. It's an occasional thing, because if he did it regularly, he could end up causing more damage to his hips, which is why he does treadmill. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly that. You know, if I went to someone that wasn't qualified and they went, oh, yeah, I'll swim him in the pool for you, potentially they could do more harm than good. So... It's it's finding out kind of it's it's difficult for the consumer, isn't it, to know whether someone is legit or not. So yeah. what was the path you took to become a veterinary physio? So it used to be that you had to do human physio first and then yeah, and then specialize in animals. And oh. so that's where you yeah. <laughs> this is like a long, long time ago. But what um, if you don't like people? Like exactly. <laughs> so thankfully, my yeah, my uh, route was that I did an undergrad degree in veterinary physiotherapy. So it's all it's all I've ever done. 
Um, but it's my year was only, I think, the second intake of my uni to do that. And I think my uni was one of the first, if not the first, to offer undergrad degree in veterinary physiotherapy. So it's only a brand new thing that you could do it that way. The one step in between that was that you could do any animal related course and then do your master's in vet physio. Can you go away? My dog's ah, okay. <laughs> oh, you're being helped. You're being helped. I'm so being while helped. there is a helper, obviously this is really bad podcasting because they can't see what's going on. You currently <laughs> have a collie sat on your lap. I have a collie sat on my knee. <laughs> <laughs> whom, whom is this collie for the listeners? <laughs> uh so this is comet um he is my little well he's god he's nearly four now um he'll be four in december um and he he's my little baby Aww. He's, he's your hooper's dog he is my hooper's dog so yeah um so yeah as carrie said we we met at july did we met yeah. did we meet in the july one i think oh, so yeah, so we met. Yeah, because I don't think you weren't there for the Christmas, the June mess show. No, I couldn't make. Why that else one. would you not have Christmas in the middle of June? Because no, why not? Why not? Um, yeah, so it would have been July. So a few shows we've kind of waved, said hey. Um, you were very helpful casting an eye over Dodge when I was like, oh, I think he might be lame, and you were like, yeah, no, I think he yeah, is. Um, but yeah. it's, it's always appreciative to go to have a, a trained eye because. Mm. I guess this must be, and a lot of the lot of the therapy people I speak to, people that are interested in gates and how animals move and stuff. In a way, you've kind of opened a curse upon yourself that you must see so many lame dogs, right? Yeah, yeah. I think everywhere I look now, I'm just like that dog's lame, and that one's lame, and that one's lame, and it's just like I just don't really look anymore. <laughs> Just shield your eyes. Just shield your eyes. I'm I'm a bit like that with training. Like I see people doing things, and I'm like, nope, not my monkey, not my circus, not my no. <laughs> like you just have to, because also people like some people will take on board advice, but some people really do not want a random person coming up telling them that their yeah, exactly. is broken. So exactly. So I've always like do. I'm always like, do I? Do I not? No, I, I'm not. I'm not. I chicken out. <laughs> I, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. So let's go back to school, school work. Um, um, why did you decide to become a vet physio? Because, I mean, first of all, like, it's quite a specialist kind of mm-hmm. niche to do. It's not just, oh, I want to work with dogs or, you know, a bit like how I've ended up as much as I'm a dog trainer. I specialize in hoopers and probably couldn't find a more niche niche if I wanted. <laughs> um why vet physio what what kind of made you go I want to do that well I always knew I wanted to work with animals I think like anyone who works with animals does you don't really change your mind part way through and go I want to work with animals um <laughs> no there's way too much shit involved literal like. literal, literally you've got to be in it from the beginning don't you <laughs> but um yeah so I grew up on a on my family's farm um so I'm from the Isle of Man originally, so I grew up on a farm there. So I, yeah, I was a very stereotypical little girl. I wanted to be, I wanted to work with animals and I wanted to be a vet to begin with originally. And I wanted to be a vet all the way through to when I was choosing my subjects, I think, when I, like, 
my university choices, should I say. And I was like, I want to be a vet, I'm going to be a vet, I'm going to be a good vet. But I wasn't getting the grades to be a vet. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I was not on track to get the grades. So I was looking for other options just because I wanted to go to uni that year. I didn't want to wait around. I didn't want to try and resit to probably not get into uni, to vet school again. Um, so yeah, I was looking around and I think I was getting physio myself at the time. I can't remember what for. I think it was for my wrist. I had like a problem with a wrist for two years where I couldn't, I don't know. I still to this day don't know what, what it was. <laughs> don't know what it was. No casting but, um, aspersions, anyone. No casting aspersions. <laughs> I was like 16. Leave me alone. Sorry, Tara, sorry. Okay, then definitely do was, not cast aspersions. She was 16. No, she was a child getting your hands out the car. I was 16. I was innocent. I was innocent. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've just completely thrown Tara's train of thought. I'm really sorry. So, right. So, let's just. Right, yeah. I'm gonna let you compose yourself after I completely derailed your thought pattern. I'm sorry, but <laughs> I've, I've, my understanding now is that you, there are a lot of people joining. Well, not a lot of people because we have a huge shortage of vets in the UK because people yeah. really do not understand what a difficult bloody job it is. Oh yeah, I think it's all cute and fluffy, and it's not at all. No, um, it's yes. yeah, it's a hard slog. And I know that there are people that are joining veterinary schools later on in life, so maybe not coming straight out of school and going straight into veterinary stuff. They mm. maybe do another job and then become a vet later on so yeah. it, if you decided you wanted to become a vet now you possibly could but would you or are you happy just doing the physio and I say just doing the physio like what you do is amazing and you're helping yeah. so many dogs and people so yeah. like I, I don't know I don't know if I will I love the physio too much because mm -hmm. so yeah when I so I was getting physio and then I was like, right. Oh, I wonder if it helped me massively. Like I only had about four sessions on my wrist and it was, it's never been a problem since. Mm -hmm. Um, and this was a problem I had for like two years. Couldn't move it. Couldn't put weight on it. Um, so I remember I came back from a physio session. I was, I went to, it went, ugh, can't speak <laughs> back from a physio session to school. And I was like, oh, I wonder if this is a thing in animals. Searched it into Google and yeah. the hold it was. And so I started doing work experience and things like that and trying to find more about it. And I switched and I wanted to be a physio. I didn't want to be a vet. So when all the rejections came through from vet school, I wasn't bothered. Yeah. I wanted, I wanted the physio course and that was it. And thankfully I got it. Otherwise I wouldn't be here. <laughs> <laughs> So do you find like, just quickly, and we'll, we'll kind of do, I do this, we go off on a branch, then we go back again, and nope. off on a branch, back again. <laughs> but the first question that's coming to my head is, do, would you say that your client base is more sport dogs or dogs that don't do like pet dogs? And that's not meant in derogatory way at all. Just maybe dogs that just kind of walk and lead a normal pet life or dogs that are more kind of into sport training agility hoopers fly ball stuff like that or is it a fairly equal mix of both um 
based on the ones I've got at the moment, probably probably more pet dogs at the moment, but That's I've got really more sporting ones coming through. Uh-huh. I think I'm fine. I'm I'm making the I'm I'm starting to make the connections now in the sport world. And I would like to do more in the sport world. Yes. And um, so like with the hoopers and I don't know, get myself into agility and things like that. I don't do agility with Comet because he's got hip dysplasia as well, same as Dodge. <laughs> yes, our, our hip dysplasia boys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we feel each other's pain. Um <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll get on to that. The listeners are yeah. like, oh god, we're not going to talk about hip dysplasia again, <laughs> are we? My goodness. Um, so yeah. that's really interesting. Is it more kind of older dogs, or do you get the full age range of younger all the way through to older? Um, they're probably more, and I say middle aged, but middle aged to older, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't think I've got any puppies on the go yet. Or at the moment, should I say, I've done a couple. Do you but yeah, think that's it, just because people are becoming more aware that taking your dog to see a physio is is a thing, and also maybe more vets are aware of it, and vets are kind of yeah. referring onto a physio because you know vets have such a busy job that they don't always have no. time or may not be able to pick up on things that a physio does because. They, they are GPs unless they're in a specialist vets and they are specializing in a subject yeah. they are the forefront GP and like our doctors they would send us to a physio if we had joint problems or yeah. muscular problems or stuff so yeah it's um it's a relatively new career to be fair and it's I've worked in until fairly recently I worked in a vets and I was doing clinics and stuff in a vets I was working there as like a, a nurse assistant type of thing as well, just to boost income type of thing, to be mm-hmm. honest. Um, and yeah, I think because vet physio is a relatively new career, it's not, like you said, it's not really in the forefront of the vet's minds. It's own, I think it's only recently being covered in vet school, like when they're learning, but it's only really touched on still, I think. It's not, let's do a whole module on vet physio or anything like that. Yeah. it's just like these are the other things out there physio hydro blah 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 um so yeah when I was working in the vets it was like I kind of had to be a little bit like hello I'm like I had to be like well what about physio yes and then they would be like oh yeah okay let's try it um but now that I'm not based there unfortunately it is a bit like I have to just kind of keep hey, every now and again and be like I'm still here <laughs> But even I think in North Wales, though, it's we're, we're a little bit further behind than the likes of like London and all the bigger cities. Like oh, it's that's a- debatable, darling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. Like but it seems to be only just getting I've been here four years now, I think mm-hmm. I graduated four years ago and it's only really I can just start seeing the snowball effect. Okay. Um. Like when I first started, I was going around and I was like, I'm a physio. And they're like, You're a what? <laughs> so, yeah. I'm like, here's the thing I've got a certificate and everything. <laughs> look, look at me <laughs> taking in all everything. Like, this is everything about me. <laughs> I went to uni and everything. I did actual <laughs> studies. It is a real thing. I didn't it is just a real like thing. make something up on like Microsoft Word and just print a certificate. <laughs> 
it's branded with the uni logo I promise yeah <laughs> which uni did you go to I went to Harper Adams uni in Shropshire it's, oh, okay. yeah Shropshire so it's um Newport Shropshire way it's it's a small uni but a lot of people haven't heard of it and um, because it's Is it a ag- bit more of like an agricultural type uni or yeah 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 so it's all of it is land-based it's animals like agriculture is a subject there like you can go and do a degree in agriculture um and they've they've just expanded as well actually and they've got a vet school now with with keel um so they started with a vet nurse then they've done vet physio and now they've got the vet so they've got the whole vet side alongside the agriculture but yeah it's a small little uni wow that's really cool so I'm gonna rewind your story to pre-physio because mm-hmm. you touched on it slightly and this is something I didn't know um first of all Isle of Man is like it's it's a little place it's a little place <laughs> you have to get a boat there didn't you yep still do <laughs> still do have to get a boat that's have to get a boat. um there's literally a phrase called there's a, like the, a saying over there that it's like there's a boat in the morning and that's the Manx way of saying piss off <laughs> I love it. Okay, good to know. There's a boat in the morning. So if someone says that to you, they, they're they not just being helpful. They're like, okay, you can go now, bye-bye. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. Typically, it is said to like non-Manx people, if that makes sense. It's just like, if you're not happy, there's a boat in the morning. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate that. So what was it like? What was farm life like growing up? Because a lot of people, I think... If you haven't seen the Jeremy Clarkson show on Prime, the fart, like, yeah. first of all, freaking hilarious, but also as much as he is a complete fucking twat, because he is, because <laughs> <laughs> he just is. But I really think that it opened people's eyes up to how difficult, but also mm. how much bloody work yeah. farm life is, because People have this real thing that, you know, like if it's just the agricultural side, you know, you sow the seeds, they grow, you harvest the seeds, you sell yeah. them to the shop and everyone's happy and then you start again. Like, no. No. <laughs> no. No, it's, uh, yeah, farmers aren't around. They're not in the house that much at all. They come in to eat and sleep and then that's it. Um. Yeah, it, it's hard work. And I grew up on a dairy farm. Um, ah. I, know probably, I know probably some people are going to get offended by all of that. No, but. not at all. Do you know what, though? I think this, if you don't mind, it's good to have a conversation about this because okay. I've got a few friends that um, are dairy farmers and they've always been so open about the process of it. And I think that I understand that some of the listeners may not agree with mm. um, using animal products and may not agree with um, the milk industry. But also, I think there's been a lot of propaganda that is anti-dairy that is, for want of a better phrase, bullshit, because yeah. <laughs> they do lie about it. And, you know, going to my friend's farm you know, I could point at a cow and she would know exactly what cow it was and told me all the information about it. And it kind of made me go, well, and, you know, I don't eat meat because of my my ethics and my choice. I, I can't yeah. give up cheese. I just can't. 
Like, this is just the best, okay? So what was your kind of experience? This is a detour on the podcast, but I think it's it's a good thing to talk about. What was your experience kind of being on a dairy farm and how the cows are treated and the kind of processes that are involved in it, if that's all right? That's all right. Um, I loved it. And I honestly can't think of a better upbringing, to be honest. Like growing up on a farm, you you have the freedom to make the mistakes you're not you know if you climb on a hay bale and you fall off it you're not going to do it again <laughs> the and worst is when you're climbing on a stack and your leg goes through the gap that yes. you haven't realized and then you have stuck <laughs> but no but you're not going to do it again and it's all like obviously my parents didn't it wasn't like feral children but you learn through making mistakes and you learn I'm very much a practical learner and I think it's because I grew up on a farm like it was like figure it out if you don't know how to do it figure it out mm-hmm. and all things like that but yeah growing I love growing up on a farm and it was you got mucky you got dirty I'm never ill because of it <laughs> I think because I had I was exposed to all of those germs and dirt and stuff yep um but yeah the cows are they're part of the family and I think that's what people don't realize is that a lot of the you saying that your friend could put you she knew exactly who it was it's because her that cow's say great-grandmother would have been bred on the farm there's not many selling and buying and things like that a lot of farms are self-sustaining so they breed mm-hmm. they breed their own herd if that makes sense mm-hmm. And then, yeah, they do sell on other ones if they have excess. But yeah, it's, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And they're all really well cared for. And they all have like soft mattresses and their feet are regularly trimmed. And they are actually really well cared for. And yeah, if you understand the industry, it's actually a hell of a lot better than people make it out to be. Yes, yes. And I know like one of one of the big arguments is about like the calves being taken away so early. But mm-hmm. I have been at the farm when the lambs have been separated from the ewes. Yeah. Yeah. It's not quiet. No. They it's literally not. are screaming across fields. And I've also been there, I remember from um my days in the equine industry. Um the days we separate the foals from the mares and a few times we actually sent one of them off to another yard because when they were on the same yard even if one was at the top of the farm one was at the bottom of the farm on 50 acres yeah they would literally be spend the day just calling to each other yeah it's so distressing and I understand that people are going to be like, well, it must be distressing for for the cow to have the calf taken away, like straight away. But I would argue that's a kinder way of doing it than letting them build the bond up over weeks, months, Mm. and then the removal. You know, it's, it's very difficult, isn't it? Because like with dogs, I know the litter that I bred um, many, many moons ago, by six weeks old, Chica was weaning those puppies. She had had enough. Get the freaking puppies away from me. Yeah. Someone else can deal with them. And, you know, when Angel went to her new home, 
Chica wasn't really looking for her. And I feel sometimes we do really humanize the animals um, and put our kind of Disney perspective onto it. What's from the kind of farming side of it, what are your kind of views on it? What, how would you kind of explain it to people? It's exactly like you said, it's, it sounds really cruel that you take them away pretty much as soon as they hit the floor. Some of them don't even hit the floor, to be honest. And they, it sounds really cruel. Like, catch it, off you go. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> Some places. But, yeah, they. it sounds really cruel, but they don't have the time to create that bond. And it. so it, it, is, distra- it is less distressing for the dairy cow because you can always tell when like say that when the when it's weaning time for like the lambs or the beef cows or anything like that because it's just noisy so noisy for like even days because Mm -hmm. they're all shouting for their mums or and the mums are shouting for their kids and it's really distressing for them so dairy side of it it's and then the dairy side it's kinder because they haven't got that connection Mm -hmm. but it's also for health reasons that they take it away. Mm-hmm. You can guarantee if you take them away before they've even had a chance. Sound it does sound mean. I, I it really does when you. But I think it's important it. people to know because people yeah. become so disassociated. You walk in a shop, you buy. Yeah. Not even a freaking pint of milk anymore, is it? It's like no. half a liter or whatever no. the fucking stupid measurement is. Thanks, Europe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Go in the shop, buy a pint of milk. Um, you don't think about the process of it. And I think because I've been around farming, it's the reason why I stopped eating meat because I understood the process and I made a choice based yeah. on what I had seen. And yeah. to me, food doesn't need a face, but that's my choice. Um, that's my choice, yeah. So oh. yeah, going back to the health side. So basically the... The calf doesn't suckle from mum straight away, do they? And this is a health thing. Yeah, some play, some farms maybe do let them, um, but then the longer they're with them, the longer they're bonding. Um, so if you take them away, you can guarantee that they've had all their colostrum, so they've got all their antibodies, because often the, they give birth and then they go, they take them and milk all the colostrum off them. Um, and then give it to the calf so mm-hmm. you can guarantee that the calf has had the right amount of colostrum in the right time frame things like that because if you leave that cow with the, the calf with the cow sorry you can't guarantee it's suckled how do you know that it has suckled and because a lot of calves will just they'll just lie there for hours and they're just like oh I'm really weak I can't stand <laughs> Sounds really nice. <laughs> Some baby animals are just a bit shit though, aren't they? Like, yeah. When you kind of compare it to like, say a giraffe, right? Baby giraffe. Yeah. It starts by a six foot drop into the world. How? I don't know. <laughs> has to get the feck up and be able to move. Because if not, you're going to be hyena cookies for the night. Exactly. You know what I mean, like. Exactly. So, yeah, but yeah. obviously cows don't have that threat over here do they so they just lie there sometimes and you're like you need to get up come on um but yeah if you leave the calf with the cow you can't guarantee it's suckled and if it hasn't had the colostrum I think it's within like six hours if it hasn't had it by then then it's 
it's basically screwed for the rest of its life. So yeah. you need to make sure that it's had that colostrum. Um, but also the more it suckles, I think it's something to do with like the genetics of a dairy cow. It's like a thoroughbred versus a cob, I guess, in horse world. Um, it, if you leave the calf to suckle on the cow, you get more risk of like mastitis and mm-hmm. illness and things like that than you seem to do in beef cows. I'm not very savvy on beef side of it because I grew up on a dairy farm, but they do leave them with the beef cows. So, and they don't seem to have as bad mastitis, but also I think they're out in the field a lot more, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because I mean, the thing is like, life of the dairy head like the girls and I'm going to refer to the cows as the girls like they know the time of day and they know when it's milking time and they come in oh, and then yeah. the rest of the time they're either in a lovely barn with lots of straw and hay to eat or they're out in a field chomping away yeah. like yeah. kind of go to work for however many pints they need to produce and then off they go again like they're honestly they're happy they're happy as anything um a good sign to tell if a cow is happy is it they chew their cud so a cow will not sit and chew their cud so that's when they like they're just sitting there chewing they look like they're chewing chewing gum um they will not do that unless they're happy and then guarantee if you look out in a field of cows they're either eating or they're chewing their cud and the same interesting the same as if they're in a in a barn, like if they're kept in a shed, they're most of them are sat there chewing their cud or they're fast asleep or they're eating. It's they're happy as anything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. So I'm just gonna quickly, because I think this is quite a nice segue as well. I'm not gonna like cows scare me a little bit. Um, <laughs> especially beef cattle, because beef cattle don't yeah. seem to be as handled as much as dairy cows. Um Dairy cows seem a little bit sweeter and a bit more yeah. like, oh, okay, there's people and we work with the people. Whereas I don't know whether the beef cows are just like, one of you feckers is going to eat me. So I'm <laughs> not going to be friends with you. <laughs> I feel there may yeah. be a certain amount of understanding there, says the woman that hates people Disneyfying animals. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but little, little things of, if you are kind of now, one of my big things is keeping your dogs on fucking lead around livestock because, mm-hmm. you know, health yeah. and safety and it's the farmer's well-being. But if you happen to be walking across the field and you haven't realised there is cattle in the field, because it happens. I've done it in a field with a bull before and got yeah. halfway across and gone, oh, feck. Oh. <laughs> and I've turned around and exited the way I came. Briefly, yeah. like very, very swiftly and as calmly as possible so as yeah. not to draw attention to ourselves. Yeah. Um, because bullocks are scary. They are. Don't, yeah. Just the size. I don't even think they're particularly mean. Just no. the size of them. From being booted by a pony, I do not need to be chased no. by something that's bigger than a bloody pony, okay? So if you are with your dog... And you are walking across the field and your dog is on leave because you are a responsible, good, good dog owner. Yeah. And all of a sudden you realise the cows are following you. What's, yeah. what's the best protocols to... A lot of the time, they, it depends on... And this probably will be difficult for people who aren't used to cows, I guess. But it depends on how they're following you. If they're all like ears forward and they're like head up and they're like, oh. And then they look as if they're like, who are you? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. But a lot of the time they are just like, 
oh hello like especially hello, if person. Young, okay yeah especially if they're young animals and like the heifers or the bullet like the small bullocks they're just like oh hi are you something to play with because like they are very playful um <laughs> I mean it's gonna hurt let's not yeah, let's not no, yeah. go that it's gonna hurt probably it's don't try and play with them but okay so a little bit like um because obviously I come from horse background yeah. the horses just kind of look up and walk towards you with their ears for and they're like oh hello you're generally all right yeah yeah you probably still want to be exiting the field but you don't need to you don't need to panic just stay okay. nice and calm it is literally basically eyes away don't don't freak <laughs> don't freak out stay calm and just walk and just be like hi yes I'm fine you're fine come on let's go keep your dog nice and calm and quiet as well mm-hmm. um but yeah if they're coming towards you quite quickly and their heads are down and they're snorting and they're kind of giving off I'm going to kill you vibes <laughs> And then you may, there may be imminent mortal peril. Yeah. And you just need to walk a little bit quicker. Um, okay. But to be fair, a lot of the advice now, especially when it comes to cows, is they're probably actually seeing the dog more as a threat than you. Yep. So if they're stampeding you, let go of the dog. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm not being funny. The dog's going to outrun you because they're exactly. quicker than us. Even if it's a teeny tiny little... I don't know, Maltese. I'll yeah. use that as an example, or a Chihuahua. Yeah. They're going to still outrun you, okay? Yeah. So if you're worried about your dog's safety and you know they're not likely to try and herd the cows, then maybe just let go of the lead and exit quickly. I would just let go of the lead anyway because they're pro- they, they will be seeing you, your dog, more as a threat than you mm-hmm. because they do have that prey, that predator prey instinct and yeah they because they are a herd of yeah. of prey yeah. animals so yeah you know, nurture nature exactly yeah and a lot of a lot of farms will have dogs and things like that so they're probably they will be kind of probably going more for the dog than you um so i think the advice typically is kind of let go of the dog let the dog outrun because they will outrun um, and probably if you let go of the lead and you're kind of swiftly exiting that way, your dog probably will come with you anyway. They're not going to go towards the cows and go, ah, I'm going to kill you as well. Hopefully not. <laughs> Hopefully. Um, I mean, if, yeah. if you have got a breed that, um, you know, maybe their breed name suggests that they may have had altercations with cattle in previous history in their genetics... Yeah bull breeds um maybe don't walk through fields full of cows don't walk through fields and if if you do like what say you said you go halfway across just turn around and go back the other way before and do it calmly and swiftly and quietly so they don't see you um yeah and it's just you know if you're on a footpath get off the footpath (laughs) just exit the nearest gateway the nearest hedge if you have to climb through a hedge get near through the hedge yeah um the ones you need to really watch out for are cows and calves. Yes. It's the cows, like if they're protected, it's all that motherhood, isn't it? They will protect their babies. So cows and calves, even sheep with lambs, just avoid it. Keep as much distance as you can. If the footpath goes through the middle of the field, go around it. The farmer yeah. will not. If you have to go that way, 
the farmer won't kick off because you're not on the footpath. Yeah, because you're, you're avoiding, avoiding a animals. field full of livestock. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So just, yeah, if you have to do that, just do that. But just basically avoid a field of, just avoid them. <laughs> yeah, just just don't go near the cows, people. I remember um, yeah. years and years ago, um, one of the farms, I actually did dog training on. Um, the farmer very kindly used to let us, um, when we did puppy class, we just used to take the puppies down to um, the lambing sheds um mm. just to kind of get them used to like the smell of sheep and teach them to disengage from sheep yeah but also the mamas would stamp and go yeah. don't come near my babies and we were always very mindful that we didn't stress the sheep out but some of the yeah. some of the girls were very much like you are not a farm dog go away yeah and all the puppies that came through puppy class learned that sheep were to be ignored they weren't anything yeah. exciting they were just there in the environment and you got cookies when they were around. Yeah. Um, I really like that, actually. I think mo I, like, I think a lot of puppy schools should do that, really. Yeah, I was very fortunate that I had the I had the facilities to do it. Um, where I train now, um, there are beef cattle on the farm where I train now. And um, I've had a few friends with puppies go, oh, is it all right to come up and see the cows? And I'm like, yeah, because they are used to dogs. Um. It was funny, actually, the other day I went for um, a walk with uh, one of my friends, went around one of the fields. As we got to the top, jokingly, I went, oh, I hope that gate shut because the cows are in the field next door. And luckily it was. But a few of them did come over to the gate and kind of had a bit of a moo at us. And I'm not yeah. sure if it was a where are you going moo or a kind of get off our land moo. I couldn't yeah. quite. I'm, I'm not that that well versed in cow, unfortunately. But what I find interesting is if there are sheep around, Dodge is very aware of them, pigs, chickens, geese, yeah, cows, other animals that he's, horses, he kind of goes, oh, it's an animal, cool. Yeah, for him, it only seems to be sheep that he's bothered okay. about. So I wonder if there's a genetic somewhere in there. One of his ancestors maybe worked sheep, but maybe the rest of them just weren't anything for him to talk about but no that's that's good advice and I think it's something that um especially when people go away on holidays and they go to different places and all of a sudden they might find themselves in a bit of a situation um mm -hmm. the other thing I'll add from the training point of view is if you do kind of come across animals don't try and train your dog in the field with the animal try and get yeah. a fence between you yeah so that there is a safety barrier because yeah. Um, just don't put you or your dog or the other animal at risk because at the end of the day, you are attached to a predator that has yeah. teeth. I don't care if it's a Shih Tzu or a Shepherd. It still yeah. has teeth and yeah, yeah, don't put the livestock at risk, people. Cause no, and even if they haven't before, isn't it? It's fight, it's fight or flight for your dog, isn't it? So cornered, your dog might attack it. Exactly and that, exactly that. So it's, it's yeah. about being sensible. So Going back to the, the physio stuff, let's get back to dogs. Now we've given everyone the little farm talk. Um, I think that was a good digression, though. Oh, I think nice. interesting. Oh, nice. And it's stuff that people maybe don't have access to that information. So it's always good yeah. and every day is a school day. Yeah. Um, so do, is it four years you said you've been vet physio now since you? Yeah. So it's about four years since I qualified. It was 2018 I graduated. So cool. And... Obviously, I mean, that journey must have been a bit weird because the pandemic happened, <laughs> which didn't help anybody yeah. out, um, you know. 
But how have you found kind of setting it up as a business and kind of finding, I don't know, finding your groove in what you're doing and reaching out to to pet people? What would be your kind of advice for people that are maybe listening and going, oh, actually, I'd quite like to do that as a job? Yeah. Um, Main one really is just make the connections. I kind of screwed myself over really because I... I moved here after uni um so I kind of when I moved here I didn't know anyone I didn't have any connections I didn't um know any vets I didn't really know any people so I had no connections (laughs) (laughs) I literally had to go around all the time I think I spent about two weeks going around all the vets in North Wales and burnt so many miles of fuel going round, going, hi, (laughs) nice to meet you. Is there anyone I can talk to? And at that point, I was terrible talking to people. If you, like, if I was to do this four years ago, I would be (laughs) (laughs) You'd be like, no, I can't possibly come on a podcast because I've I've only just qualified. Oh, my God. I I don't know what I'm doing, no. But, like, I had to push myself outside my comfort zone for it. And also, like, I'm not business savvy at all. Darling, I don't think any... Well, right, here we go. Confession. 90% of dog trainers really aren't because we're in it for the animals, not because we're really good at business. Just say. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I never understand any of it. We did business modules at uni, but I was always sat there in my lectures going like, what? (laughs) I don't understand yeah there's, um, there's a reason I I had a business coach and I had um lots of help when I yeah. started Canine Hoops World um quick shout out to the pet professional network because y'all guys helped a lot and yeah. um I think a lot of people are now realizing that finding someone that actually knows what they're talking about in the business yeah. side is very helpful yeah I had like a, a, a bit of a business mentor with Business Wales um Lowry she was I just constantly was like, Larry, help. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but yeah, the the only reason I probably am working for myself is there's no jobs over here. There's like, there was, there was no vet physio jobs. Cause like I said, it's new. It's pretty new to North Wales. Mm-hmm. The difference from four years ago to now is, it's massive. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's, it's been a tough four years. <laughs> because like you said there was COVID in the middle of it and then about about nine months after I qualified I snapped my Achilles so that put me out for like yeah that put me out for like three four months because I couldn't drive and in the end I got so fed up that um I was treating I was still in my boot on crutches going to people's houses being like don't mind me I'm coming to treat your dog (laughs) (laughs) right I know clearly I'm physically not in the best condition right now but I can still sit down don't judge me on how I look I will I will sort your dog whilst I'm sorting myself out as well um so yeah it's always been so qualified I was kind of starting to get there snapped my Achilles kind of went back down again starting to get there COVID hit so now I'm going back up again and I'm just touching wood that nothing bloody happens. <laughs> but mate, do you know what? First of all, right, massive, massive, like, respect you for that because we're very good at kind of congratulating people when they've when they've done well and when they've achieved those goals. But I think 
one thing we don't do enough of is telling people well done when they have hit a tough spot and they're climbing back out of it. And I think that all of society is is kind of climbing out of the, yeah. the COVID dip because it was shit for all of us mentally and business wise as well. And I just think we need to kind of be a bit kind to ourselves and remind ourselves like what we have achieved. And, you know, it's that whole thing, isn't yeah. it? That every journey starts with a step. And as long as you just keep taking a step forwards in the right direction, you, you'll get to the destination. It just might take a little bit longer. Yeah. We always have this plan, don't we? There's the, like, you see the cartoons of it all the time that like, it's a lovely, straight, smooth line. <laughs> and actually it's not. There's squiggles and bumps and ups and downs and wiggles. And then there's a lake and then there's fire and then the floor's lava and oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of how it feels, isn't it? When yeah. you are setting up a pet business, it's like, yeah. So yeah. I thought I was just going to get to cuddle puppies all day and have a lovely time. <laughs> I thought it would take out. I was so naive. I was just like, yeah, I'm going to come to North Wales. There's no, there's like not really any physios here. I wonder why. (laughs) That should have been, that should have been my bit of my red flag, but there's not, there wasn't really many physios in North Wales when I started. So I did all the bloody work. (laughs) No, there was one or two. And, but, but particularly in the, in the dogs world, there wasn't really many. Mm -hmm. so I had to be the one that was like I think there was there's loads Chester way particularly horse wise I was gonna say horse physios like yeah bear in mind I've been out of the equine industry well easily 10 years now yeah and I remember having physios for my horses yeah 20 years ago yeah so exactly I think it's more well known in the equine world exactly but because there was loads of Chesterway that were already established, they already had the connections and things like that. And I didn't grow up, at least didn't grow up with my own horse and things like mm-hmm. that. And again, I moved to a new place, so I didn't really have the connections anyway. Um, it was really hard for me to break that industry. And I really don't do that many, not because I don't want to, just because I don't really have many horses. Like I haven't had many horses come to me. That was kind um, of going to be my next question of, do you treat horses? Oh, yeah. So do so can you be a physio on potentially any mammal? And notice I say mammal because I'm assuming that you don't get called in to treat like snakes or lizards very often. No, but I know, I know there is a physio. Oh, where is he based? I think he's like Chester Way. He's not far from here that is he treats zoo animals including snakes and lizards and stuff he he he's very cool he's really interesting and it's what it I I wanted to do it and I was like oh yeah it'd be great like I approached Chester Zoo but since talking to him I found out you do actually need a special license to do that and he's like worked as a zoo animal and there's zookeeper or I don't know his history yeah um but, but he's yeah. worked with exotics. And when we say exotics, we're not talking rabbits and hamsters. We're talking like oh no, for, yeah, exotics. Full on zoo animals. I think he has done lizards and snakes and things. But Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, basically anything with a skeleton and muscles and nerves, you can do physio on. Because it's amazing, isn't it? It'll all be the same 
well, it won't be exactly the same because obviously a snake doesn't have legs, for example, but... No, but I mean, with you saying like the original route was human and then you did kind of animal. Um, yeah. How different, obviously, now the main difference that I know of between the, the human skeleton and, and the dog is that they don't have collarbones. Nope. Um, no. Which always seems bizarre. You're like, so how does... The shoulders attached to everything else, and it's like, well, they kind of don't. <laughs> Just they kind of no, they really there. don't. It's always my fun fact that I always say to owners, and then it always kind of slightly creeps them out as well because your the dog's front leg, and the same for any animal actually. A horse doesn't have a collarbone. A cat does, but it's not attached to anything. It's like a floating collarbone. <laughs> it's basically useless they may as well not have it just to, just to mess with us like yeah, you just know, to mess with us why wouldn't you um, but yeah their must their 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 front leg is only attached by muscle it's literally glued on by muscle so i always say you can technically put your hand behind the shoulder blade and out the other side and take i used to say you could take a knife and cut your dog's leg off well, that really but you actually out. could but you, you actually could. could like and anyone that's like knows anything about you know going back to cattle being a butcher you yeah. know that's <laughs> <laughs> you literally just cut it Very easy cut really <laughs> yeah so they those muscles work really bloody hard because not only are they gluing the legs on they're carrying 60 percent of the weight as well so their front it, guarantee if you put your hand on any dogs their shoulders and all those muscles around there are, ro- are, are tight. Mm-hmm. Some sort of tension in there. And then especially when when you add in, like our boys that have the hip dysphagia, yeah. it's even more stress on the front end because the back mm. end isn't always capable of taking that 40% of weight distribution. No. Um, let's, let's touch on that a minute because I think that's something that people don't realise because when you look at an animal, you just assume and obviously we are talking specifically dogs, but you assume that the weight distribution would be 25% in each corner because yeah, there's a corner. Like that's what corners do. It's a rectangle, yeah. you cut it into equal pieces and that should be, but that's not the case, is it? No. So your back legs, obviously you've got like the pelvis. There is a lot of bone work there. You've got like the pelvis and the skeleton, but compared to the front end, you've got, the rib cage you've got the the heads and the heads really heavy um especially with some of them big fat head brains yeah that head is hefty (laughs) yeah and you'll know from horses and stuff if you ever have a horse resting its head on you or even smacked you in the head that's oh my god when they swing round and catch (laughs) you and you're like ow ever had it scratch flat on the top of your head you're like ah. yeah or the ones when they go to like rub their heads on your back and yeah. like just launch you across the stable or the field and you're like okay thanks for that <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah they're, they're really heavy so there's yeah it's about it's in a healthy dog and I say that in quotation marks because they're confirmation and everything like that there's never yeah. a fully there's probably never a fully 60 40 percent split between the front end and the back legs but yeah front legs take about 60 percent of a dog's weight typically yeah typically so yeah it's about 30 each leg individually is about 30 percent in the front legs and then 20 in the back so it's a big difference yeah 
And then you wonder Especially why. when you think that, obviously, us as upright creatures, like, yeah. we carry all the weight on our hips and then it goes through yeah. our legs. And we wonder why we have so many back problems, to be honest. It's like, yeah. what did you think was going to happen with exactly. that weight distribution? Um, exactly. So it's the same for dogs, I guess. You, you wonder why. I tend to see a lot of, say, like, things like arthritis and things typically start in their front wrists their front calf carpals mm -hmm. because they're bearing a lot of the weight and then their wrists are it's particularly the wrist I guess that bears a lot of the weight doesn't it because it's yeah. it's the one that bends down and the ones that I don't even know how you explain it like so on on a dog just to kind of explain because when you think about human anatomy and then transfer it over to dog you're like the wrist so a lot of people assume that's the bit that's right above the paw, kind of. Yeah. So in front of the dew claw? Yes. So it's because dogs' thumbs, dogs' dew claws actually kind of sit behind the wrist, don't they? Rather than on the hand. Hang on, I'm gonna have to look at my dog. I know. It's like, right, let's let's try and work this out because if you're looking at your dog, they've got their their four little toes and they've got their big pads. Yeah, but then they've got their dew claw and then they've got the stop pad and then that's the wrist, isn't it? The bit that's behind the stop pad. So yeah, the dew claw. yeah. So you've got if you're going from the floor up, you've obviously got the claws. So they're the equivalent of our nails. Mm -hmm. And then all those joints in the toe is the equivalent of our fingers. Mm -hmm. And then all the little bones then going up are the equivalent of the ones in your hand. Yes. So basically, yeah, their paw and all the way up to that stop pad at the back is the equivalent of our hand. So the stop pad is like the heel of our palm, isn't it? That's the... Yeah, it's... Yeah, yeah it's the... <laughs> There's not really equivalent in humans of the stop pad, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm trying to kind of... I'm like, I'm looking at Dodge's foot while he's laying on the floor. Like, he's actually laid flat out so I can see his whole underfoot. <laughs> Helpful, and I'm kind of looking at my hand and going... How does that translate? <laughs> but yeah, it there's not an equivalent, but I guess it's because I guess dogs have developed it, haven't they? Because they have, especially when they land, they need something to protect the back yes. of their, their wrist, I guess. But yeah, that's the so that that joint there, the first one, the first bendable joint bar mm -hmm. the fingers is the wrist. And then the one after that going up is the elbow it's literally the equivalent of our elbow yes. anatomy wise exactly the same and then you've got the shoulder joint hiding just above that the shoulder joint you kind of lose within the actual body of the dog after that but yes um because it's in the in the muscle yeah but yeah you've got the shoulder joint there and then the shoulder blades after the shoulder blade comes up after that but you mm. don't feel that that a lot of people don't actually know where their dog shoulder blade is <laughs> Well, no, because it is, it is hidden. It doesn't kind of yeah. Unless you can, unless you have a good dig in and kind of feel. Or yeah. unless you've got, I mean, with Dodge, you can kind of see it when he moves, but also it's partly because of his coat pattern. Yeah, his coat pattern does kind of frame where yeah where the bits are, which is quite useful, really. Um, yeah. Also, I think the other reason people. Um, maybe don't know where the dog's shoulder blades are is because their dog is fat and therefore they yes. can't feel it yes yeah just gonna that put that there your dog's fat if you can't find its shoulder it's podgy yeah 
basically basically they're either very well muscled in which case perfect um or they're fat <laughs> which is not good we not don't good. like them we don't like the fat. no but I guess that's where the first difference at least in the front like between human and and dogs or any animal really because our shoulder blades are like on our back mm. and they go they go across your back whereas in a yes. dog it go it continues up the leg if yes. you follow a straight line your shoulder blade kind of follows that way so that's I guess our first difference isn't it it's it's the same as I guess if you've got your arm out to the side Yes, if your arm is out to the side, then it runs the same as how dogs would. But because when your arm is at the front, as if you were picking something up, um, it makes it like, yeah, because then it goes flat. I'd never thought of that before. But yeah, our shoulder blades kind of are flat on our back, aren't they? Like little wings. I've just decided they're wings now. (laughs) Well, yeah, I guess you could call them wings. They look like wings. (laughs) But yeah, it... I guess a dog's leg is equivalent to our arm being out to the side in terms of where the line of everything goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that so that kind of wrist joint is where you see a lot of kind of the early arthritis and injury type things. Yeah, especially in a lot of dogs who do a lot of jumping and a lot of landing. Um, if you watch a video, especially say like slow motion, I love slow motion. Mm. <laughs> um and you focus on that wrist joint it bends quite a lot and it's the same in horses when you watch a horse land that that part of the leg almost touches the floor and it yes but whereas when they're standing upright that it doesn't so it takes a lot of force and a dog when they're landing and I'm I think it's a set off the top of my head I think it's the same in horses um they take five times their body weight on their front legs alone when they land wow yeah so you've got like the likes of agility dogs and things like that that are landing a lot they've taken a lot of force through all of their joints but particularly like that wrist because it but also dogs that are running and chasing after bulls and stopping quickly this is why we do not like bull chucking not (laughs) good for your dog's legs people no not ball launches especially yeah no we we are not a fan of the ball launches so let's kind of move to the back end of the dog because the back end and the front end are very very different aren't they because yeah when you kind of think about like the human we're going to use the human leg again and do the comparison well I I find that when I'm talking to owners that's how I I'm like if you imagine it's you that's how people yeah because interpret it people see the the hock so the the bit that bends backwards towards the tail (laughs) yeah as as the dog's knee but that's not the knee no no that's actually our ankle yeah anatomy wise it's exactly the same as our ankle and if you think of it that way so again going from the floor up you've got the toes and then it's almost like then the dog has like the the bit from your toes to the to your heel Mm -hmm. if you if you stretch that out and make that longer anatomy wise it is then almost similar yes it's almost like you, they, it's almost like a dog or a horse or anything. It's just got a very stretched out foot. They basically have clown feet. Yeah, yeah. They have a clown foot. 
and then they have exactly. a teeny tiny little shin yeah and then a teeny tiny thigh muscle very yeah. unproportionate not very proportionate but yeah in terms of like the actual knee and where the kneecap is and everything like that it's the the joint above that so the the stifle mm-hmm. and that's where the kneecap is in a dog it's absolutely tiny and you can never find the stick. <laughs> yeah. will admit i'll hold my hands up i'm not a good physio in the sense that i can never find your dog's kneecap unless it moves <laughs> and you don't really want it moving so if you really can't want find it, it that's a good thing I, I say that as a good thing yeah. it's absolutely tiny even in like a dog dodger's size it will probably only be the size of a pea and trying to find that in all that muscle yeah and floof exactly you're <laughs> just like you're like it's not moving it's fine yeah we're, we're gonna assume everything's fine but in like the tiny dog, so with um, a lot of the time Chihuahuas, Jack Russells and stuff, mm-hmm. this is where luxating platellas come in, isn't yeah. it? And this is where you do find the, and yeah. how tiny must that be on a Chihuahua? Like, Oh, it is minuscule. It's got to be like a grain of rice or some stupidness, yeah. right? But if that's moving, like that's not a good thing. And a lot of people will have seen, and I'm going to pick on the Terriers because it yeah. is generally, especially yeah. the Jack Rats, bless them. Jack Russell skip. A little Jack Russell hop. Yeah. Like it's perfectly normal. Yeah. They're not meant to do that. <laughs> no, they're not. But interestingly, I've got a friend with um, a Jack Russell and he hops the skips and looking at him, you're like, oh my God, your knees must be absolutely broken. And they're but fine. They're absolutely fine. And there is actually, and the, the patella stays stable and everything like that. There is no reason why Dewey skips. He just skips. And it's almost is now becoming a Jack Russell trait. Yes. But that's what's making it difficult, I think, between owners going, oh, there's a problem or, oh, it's just Jack oh, Russell. That's an interesting thought, isn't it? That is it actually becoming a genetic gate within a breed? Because yeah. going back to equines, like my mare was a trotter. She yeah. could not canter for toffee. It was not a thing. Because, like cantering that thing was like sitting on a boat that was about to crash at any moment <laughs> because, yeah but in trot it was the most beautiful smoothest thing because genetically that's what her heritage was she'd come from she, she'd come from travelers um yeah. so she was bred to go very fast in a straight line at a trot yeah and um you know some dogs you see pace more so they yeah. are so front and back leg on the same side is moving. Yeah. Um, lions do it and camels do it. Yeah. I think it's a I think it's a it can be a bit of an energy saving walk, I think. Mm-hmm. You see it sometimes with like canny cross dogs. If maybe yeah. the person's not as quick, not quick enough for a trot, but too yeah. fast for a walk, they go into this kind of pace. pacing thing. Yeah. Because yeah, in a dog particularly the most energy saving gait is a trot so that's why you see like wolves they trot all the time and you yes. think like oh my god they must be so tired but actually they're saving their energy by trotting if they walk yes. they have to use their muscles yeah so yeah i guess it's it's an in-between step between a walk and a trot and so it's more but i know if an actual dodge is feeling stiff if we've been competing or yeah. if maybe it's a bit cold 
he will actively try and trot rather than just walk. And I have a continuous yes. battle with him trying to get him to walk to build the muscle yeah. up because <laughs> yeah. he's like, no, I want to trot, trot's easier. Yeah. Yes, I know it's easier, mm. but I need you to walk. <laughs> I know, I have that argument with, uh, not argument, but I have that discussion with my owners all the time, like my clients. I'm just like, yep, yeah, they're like, yeah, but they just want to trot. Surely that's easier. And I'm like, no. <laughs> but it is easier. And that's the problem because they're not building the muscle as effectively by walking. Yeah. I mean, even things like, um, I've started messing around a bit with like Cavaletti stuff. So just having oh, yeah, yeah. floor. And getting him to walk. Yeah. And the same with horses. You know, people, because when you're riding a horse, going fast is fun. Fact. Yeah. But actually doing in hand stuff in walk is building the muscles a lot better than it is yeah. doing it in trot um also hmm. it's bloody easier to keep up with a horse in walk than it is trot unless it's <laughs> yeah. <a little> <laughs> um but i just find that we kind of and i don't know if it is because of the hip dysplasia with him and i i would assume it is but i find it interesting that out of choice he will trot most of the time rather yeah. than walk yeah, because he's not having to use his hips, it's he's or at least not use his muscles, and it's probably comfortable for him yeah. because he's not having to actually properly use his use his joints. Mm-hmm. And almost like because I have the same with Comet, he when he trots, he's a bit more of a prancy trot. Yep. So he doesn't fully like put his like extend his legs out behind him. He doesn't he's not got a nice long stride if that makes sense he's a bit he more sort of collects up a bit and yeah yeah <laughs> you can tell we're horsey girls he collects rather than extends and <laughs> anyone that's not listening to this podcast is going that doesn't do horses is like what, what? <laughs> so collection is when the the gait is shorter and extension is when it is longer yeah yeah well yeah put it this way I don't know if this helps when Comet is called Comet because he was born around Christmas so he was actually born in a rescue center and they named all the litters after the reindeer and so and I really love the name so I kept it yeah no it's a good name yeah but when he so he does hydrotherapy as well when he started at hydro they renamed him Prancer because he pranced so he wasn't like, he wasn't moving his legs. It's the same as us as kind of like jogging on the spot, I guess, where yeah. you, you don't move the hips too much. So that's probably, I don't know if um, Dodge does the same with his, is his trot. Has he got a nice long trot or does he um, I tend think, to bounce a bit more? I think with him, because maybe, and this is more the, the shepherdness, he does tend to cover the ground quite well. Yeah, um, I think that's more luck than um, yeah, good breeding. Not gonna yeah. lie, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know we we won't touch on that. No, no. But um, one thing that was interesting with him this week, um, going to his physio. Shout out to Karen. Thank you very much for fixing my dog. Is his hips and shoulders were moving really well this week, and actually he was really tight through his back. Okay, And then we realised that um, at the competition last weekend, there had been a um, an interesting braking manoeuvre um, in which he had ended up with his face on the floor, which was oh, you obviously <laughs> not planned. Um, I think I came out of the ring and went, sorry, just face planning. Yeah, you did. Um, and I think he was just, it was... It was the physics of the speed he was going and the way he went to corner. And um, yeah. 
also unfortunately it was um it, it was technically his good way of turning because his right hip was underneath him but I think we just had a balance issue yeah. and kind of splatted a bit and then got up and went oh I didn't mean to do that and luckily like you know he didn't hurt himself and he yeah. he seemed fine but yeah. then a few days later he's gone oh yeah it's all built off there, mum I'm like I know the feeling mate because I do think sheep and then two days later get, wake up and go oh I shouldn't have done that that hurt <laughs> yeah and why is it never the day after it's never the day after it's always like the day after that or the day after that you suddenly go oh that was stupid yeah I think it's the muscles kind of cramp up over the time and so maybe the next day they're like slightly shorter but then it's like over time the muscles kind of just get shorter and shorter and shorter and it's maybe two or three days later that actually that's when it starts hurting yeah because it's so tight and then you're like oh I can't move ow that hurts ow that hurts yes it was it was a little bit slippy the grass wasn't it uh, at uh I think the I mean honestly I prefer personally I much prefer running him on sand like on a sand school surface um I'm a lot more confident with his turns and his handling yeah Um, he also goes faster on sand because I think he is more confident with it but yeah you know you can't protect your dogs from from the world and This is one of the things that the specialist said to me was that, you know, him doing hoopers is no different to him running off lead, but actually, you know, it's it's more controlled than him. Hmm. Um, what was it? Oh, pheasant the other day. That was fun. He literally, honestly, I, like, I don't yeah. know if the pheasant was trying to play chicken or what, but it, <laughs> the delay in it taking off, like... Oh, they're not very clever birds, are they? <laughs> they are no, not. he he wasn't far off his tail feathers. And I think if if I'd possibly trained him more in jumping and vertical exercise, which I have not done with him, um, yeah. because we have a lot of foxes and stuff come into the garden. And I don't want Dodge thinking that vertical is an option. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think if I had taught him that vertical is an option, I don't think the pheasant would be with us and he may no. have. Either him or my husband would have had dinner that night. <laughs> yeah, well, he probably, I don't know. I don't know if he's anything like, does he Does he jump? I don't encourage jumping yeah, with him. Yeah. Um, like, he will pop over things, but I yeah. kind of have a, it's definitely, it has to be under three foot with him. So it has right. to be, like, under a metre in new money. I don't like him jumping over that I know he's more than physically capable of jumping higher yeah okay. but generally fences that are there to contain him are higher so I'm yeah. not letting him know that that fence is <laughs> yeah. the possible escape yeah. route basically I mean our garden fences between six and six foot six it's oh nice high yeah for a reason yeah yeah <laughs> that's that's kind of interesting because Comet has never shown any interest in jumping and that's one of the reasons why we don't do agility is because he'll jump up onto a wall, he'll jump in and out of the car, onto furniture, et cetera, yes. like that. But if he's ever come across, I think even like a log in the woods or something like that, like a fallen tree, he'll kind of pause before he jumps over it. And he's just never yeah. any interest. He, he could probably clear a fence if he wanted to, but he doesn't. And he just kind of just like, I'll I'll stay down here. It's fine. I'll stay here. (laughs) Isn't it funny? I wonder if that's partly due to them having the hip 
Yeah. The hip glitch. <laughs> well, it probably, it, it will hurt, wouldn't it? Because it will. Well, yeah, because the amount of, of force that is needed to project them over yeah. the obstacle. And then obviously then the other side of it, as you said before, with the landing, with the amount of pressure that goes onto the landing. Yeah, I've kind of, with Dodge, I've always made it that it's, it's kind of a thing that's on cue rather than something yeah. that he just does. And I've always been very mindful of how high he goes. I remember um, doing the trick titles and one of them was um, like jump through your arms. Yeah. I was always kneeling down and I had a few people go, you know, you could stand up and do that. And I'm like, I know, but I don't want him realizing that he can jump chest height. Yeah. I don't know if Comet would do that. Do you know what I mean? Like if I, I've never tried it, but. And I've obviously never taught him the whole jump into my arms trick because that's just stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've popped him over. Yeah. <laughs> A dog of his size will probably take you flying. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm going to end up, I'm going to say there's a health and safety risk assessment and me catching Dodge in my arms is not, oh, is no. not a passable no. thing to do. Um, even him putting his paws on my arm, I was very mindful with that trick. And I remember one of the other tricks was like a conga. So the idea is the dog places their paws on your back. And I was like, I'm not teaching him to do that because no. apart from anything, if he does that to my poor mum, like the madre is going to end up face first. Also, the other one yeah. is um, the back spring. You know, when people bend over and the dog bounces off their back? Oh, yeah. No, no. never teach them that. Two reasons. One, I'm not physically strong enough. I know I'm not. And I yeah. have I have upper back and shoulder issues. So I don't need 35 kilos of shepherd hitting me. Yeah. Um, if my physio is listening, I'm sure you're going to advise that I don't need to do that. But no. also, one thing with that trick that always worries me, you bend over to pick up your dog's poo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then your dog ends up on your back. If you haven't put that on cue well enough and you end up face first in a load of doo-doo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, um, no, I'm, I'm not teaching that as a behaviour, but... I think with him, even before knowing that he had the hip problems, I was always very aware that there could be issues. So I was always mindful about mm. what he did. As a puppy, like I was very, very strict with him doing stairs. Like, yeah, I didn't like him doing the stairs. And I tended to, he would go up the stairs, but I didn't like him going down the stairs. Mm. Um, I tried to carry him as much as possible um, yeah. as a baby or we just had the baby gate up and going upstairs just wasn't yeah wasn't a thing yeah um, and I'm actually obviously now knowing that we have bilateral I'm glad those were the rules but that was actually I'm gonna shout out Helen Ball here who um, mm. Isle of Wight so a different aisle different aisle different aisle um, but when he was young she said to me be really careful with him doing stairs yeah, he's developing, and that's something that I think a lot of people don't think about with developing puppies. Yeah. That up and down stairs is potentially treacherous to those developing muscles and joints, and yeah, growing. Especially now you've explained that the shoulders are not attached. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, puppy development. Obviously, obviously, is massively important. Like how your dog grows dictates how they are in their future and it's all it is literally all about 
the type of exercise and the thing is now you've probably heard of like the five minute per month rule of yeah. age but they're saying now that actually maybe that's not needed you could potentially take your dot your little puppy for an hour-long walk but it's the type of exercise they do so you're not going to take them an hour walk up a mountain but you could take and them if for- you are you probably need to carry them for a little yeah. bit yeah but you can maybe take them for an hour long walk on a nice flat say old railway line or something like that and where then- it's lots of sniffing and mooching you yeah. certainly should not be playing ball with a puppy no. for an hour because <laughs> you're gonna break it yeah um but also yes terrain is gonna come into it because you know a nice sort of manicured park is very different from i mean we don't have many many mountains near hmm. the south of london sorry border <laughs> um it tends to be hills got yeah. yards and stuff they're a bit hilly um but for us it's more woodland so yeah. woodland flooring is very different than a park yeah but you still you still it's all about like varied and like the it's all about like the muscle development and things like that so you can take them in the forest maybe for not as long but you want you do you you can't or shouldn't stop them from say like climbing the rocks or um going a lot like stepping over all the little branches and stuff mm-hmm. in the thing in the in the forest but you're not going to let them jump and you shouldn't let them jump you should lift them in and out of the car you shouldn't let them go on the stairs but you need all of that say like I don't know say they're going along gravel or something like that or or in the forest floor it's unstable and they need that to be able to develop all their strength and things like that but yeah you wouldn't do it for as long as you would on a say a railway line or an old railway line should I say where it's Nice yeah, no, not, not an nice actual point. railway line. Guys, do not walk <laughs> Do not walk your dogs on the railway line. Safety risk assessment. Do not walk your dog along the train on track. The railway line. <laughs> if you can't stand by me, let's be careful, people. <laughs> um, and Tara's like, what the fuck, stand by me? Do you even know that film reference? No. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God, you're old now. It's a very, very old film. River Phoenix was in it, and um, it's it's a classic. Um, anyone that doesn't know that reference, feck off, you're all too young. Um, I think I've heard of it, but I've not watched it. I <laughs> think it was sad. I remember it being really sad. I don't remember it that well, but the, one of the kind of the scenes in it is that they're walking along a disused railway track and it's oh, okay. one of that scenery. But yeah, different surfaces for puppies. I mean... Obviously, I spoke about this quite a lot in the episode with um, Hannah from Cam yeah. um, about having, you know, anti-slip surfaces. Like you, you could play the best game. The floor is lava in this house because there are mats and runners yeah. and even yeah. rubber mats everywhere in this house where the dogs actually need to walk. Because I've got three that are elderly and I've got one with HD, so we are very mindful. Yeah, um, the stairs are wooden at the moment, but the amount of times the dogs actually go up the stairs is minimal yeah it's a treat and it tends to be more when me and dodge are not at home and um husband is in charge and all of a sudden him and all the girls are up on the bed watching a film in bed (laughs) Mm. when i sent him a picture of me and dodge camping out in the van like in our sleeping bags being all snuggy and got a picture sent of all the girls asleep on the bed and i was like Oh, so what happened to the no dogs on the bedroom? 
and also like that's almost like a haha we're nice and comfy and you're camping in a nice cold van (laughs) I'm not gonna lie so ongoing joke from people that come to the competitions they know that my camping situation I have so many layers of my bedding I'm basically the princess and the pea (laughs) and the last camping trip there were seven layers to my bed including air mattresses and some vet beds and blankies and that apparently is my that is my optimum level of comfort is seven layers. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, dear. Show yeah, me just... you're a princess without telling me you're a you're princess. A princess. <laughs> Next time, I'm going to sneak a pee under there and see if you notice. Oh, do you know? We should do it, shouldn't we? We should, we should do, do it. it. What can we put under Carrie's mattress and see if she knows? Before she realises <laughs> I've now got an image of there being like a Kong or something like. Game is on. You're going to be so paranoid next time I'm at a competition. <laughs> Thing is, though, is that you have to remember the only time you're going to be able to do this is if Dodge is in the ring with me. Because if it Dodge is in the van, you're not going to get away with it. I'm sure Becky will help me out if I. Oh, no! Becky, if you're listening, this is not. <laughs> oh, wow. I feel like this has started a whole thing now, ready for next camping season. Shit. Right. Becky, I think you're going to return it back to me, though, aren't you? I'm going to. I'm going to have right, to. That's the end of the podcast. We're not really. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have oh, to watch mine as well. It's going to be a thing. What can you hide under each other's bed? It can't be anything disgusting and it can't be by the Yeah, rules are going to have to be. There needs to be rules. I feel like let's not do a pee because if I don't find it, like there's going to be a really manky, mushy pee. Also, I'm going to suggest that the the weight of my backside on (laughs) the pee is not going to be good for this. You're going to unpack your van and just be like, what the hell is this? Oh, it's a pee. (laughs) As I'm unpacking it, I literally find a bag of frozen peas. <laughs> They're all defrosted, like mushed up. Also, no be- cans of mushy peas. That doesn't count. <laughs> I'm putting that in the rule straight away. No tinned food no tinned is allowed food. to be used in this joke. It's got to be fairly comfortable to lie on. <laughs> nothing, nothing bigger than the size of your fist is allowed to be used in this game. There we go. Okay. Are we limiting the amount? Can you put two or three things in? Oh! <laughs> two or I'm three not sure points. I like where this is going, you know. I feel like... I'm not going to lie. I'll probably forget by next season. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what, though? Becky won't. I know she Becky won't. I'm going to mess now. <laughs> and I know she listens to the podcast, so like I'm staying in trouble now. <laughs> Becky, I love you. Remember that, like, I I help you run your dog sometimes. Please don't be mean. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. So now we've digressed onto peas and bedding. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. No, anymore. Now I'm really about? paranoid that I'm going to find things in my bed. Nothing alive. Okay. No, no I wouldn't do that. I already, last show, I had to deal enough with the daddy long legs to... Oh, there were so many. Put a ban on anything that is a living... Yes, yes. No, I wouldn't do that anyway, obviously. 
animal lovers. <laughs> to be fair, if I have the chihuahuas with me, though, I have an argument enough with the chihuahuas in the bedding. I don't need to add to that chaos of adding stuff. Um, right, let's let's go back to dogs. So with um, with Comet, mm-hmm. why why did you get into Hoopers? Before we wrap up, let's find out why why you decided Hoopers was the sport for you and what kind of made you get involved um well he's a collie (laughs) 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 easiest way to put it is he's a collie and he is absolutely petrified of other animals Uh, well I say other animals like livestock and things like that so herding was completely out of the question because oh (laughs) my landlady has um loads of birds and stuff and uh last summer there was I've got a big bush in my garden and last year um one of the little core ducks so one of the little tiny tiny ducks decided to make a nest in the in the bush helpful yeah yeah and full-on laid eggs everything like that and uh Comet bless him literally was just like oh what's in here face full of duck (laughs) She went for him and bless him. He was like running away and this duck would not leave him alone. So remember rewinding back when we said if there are cows with babies. Yes. So mama duck. Yeah. Attacked the dog and didn't give a crap. Oh, bless Um, her heart. And she was relentless. And it was only when he like came back into the house, basically, that she left him alone. I I mean... you know, I know that geese are pretty territorial, but yeah, ducks are, are not that far, yeah, far and away from geese. And yeah, any, any, basically, any mom will protect their babies. Yeah, don't mess them. with the mamas. That's, that's the, the rule of that's what we can take away from this in the animal world. If there is a baby with the mama, leave them the feck alone, yes, yes. But anyway, going back, um. So yeah, he is completely petrified slash just doesn't care about animals. Like I've got, because they know that all the birds still just come back in my garden now and he's just so, there like... So the herding instinct is is strong? <clears throat> no. <laughs> <laughs> he has zero herd instinct. The only time he might drop into a, a collie prowl is... If sheep run away, he tends to be like, oh, we chase. But he it's more like the let's play. Mm-hmm. Um, also Interesting though that it's sheep as well. Same as it's it's yeah. only sheep that kind of trigger something in yeah. that genetics. But they're smaller, aren't they? They're smaller and less, slightly less scary. They're more I mean, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I, I wouldn't think about chasing a cow because that's just no. stupid. But sheep, like, they're kind yeah. of, yeah. They're more dog size, aren't they? But or sometimes when another dog's coming towards them, he'll drop into a prowl. And I'm like, please don't, because you make yourself look like you're about to attack them and you're not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Herding other herding other dogs. Herding yes. We Dodge plays the herding game with his collie friends. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, so yeah, anyway, herding was out. Um, he never showed an interest, like I said, in jumping. And then I found out he had hip dysplasia. So I was like, agility out. Um I didn't want him doing fly ball. Not that there's actually any fly ball around North Wales, but I was like, his back end is broken anyway. I'm not breaking his front end. Um, yeah. Sorry to people who do do fly ball. <laughs> but the thing is, though, when you have got a dog with 
with diagnosed HD. And I know there are some very good um, dogs that do compete at sports and at quite a high level that do have HD. And there's probably a lot of dogs that compete that have never, ever had it bloody diagnosed. Yeah, exactly. But when it's to the extent of our boys where there's kind of not really joints. Yeah, yeah. Um, It does rule out a lot of sports, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Because like I said, like fly ball was a no because I didn't want to break his front end as well as his back end. And yeah, I'm conscious then of agility with his jumping and landing and turning. It's more tighter and stuff than hoopers, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, it really does cut out the amount of things you can do without overprotecting them. But you need, it's our job to protect them and look after them. Yep. Because dogs are, dogs are extremely loyal, aren't they? And even though it might hurt, you want them to do it. So they do it. And especially with the herding breeds as well, because they have such a long history of working with us as a team. They're like, you asked me to do it. Okay, I'll try. I'll do it. And I think maybe if I did actually start taking Comet to agility training, he will, he will do it because I want him to, I, I, I'm asking him to. And also, yes. yeah, it might be fun. He's like, okay, I get to run. Yeah. But yeah, so he was kind of driving me a bit insane because he was a collie in a house. <laughs> so you heard in sports that you would normally think of. So then you found Hoopers. And I found Hooper, so I was, I was, it was kind of a little bit of a stumble across. Like I was friend, I, so I train with um, Heather and Rhiannon Emily. So Barking Mad Dog Services. Shout out to the Welsh. Shout family. out. <laughs> <laughs> Mold, anyone near Mold or anything like that, go to them. Great. Yep. Um, and I was friends with, I met Rhiann not long after I moved to North Wales when she worked in her old place. And so I had her as a friend on Facebook and I was just sat there scrolling through Facebook and Hooper started just, I don't know, I think Facebook kind of knew I was looking for something to do and it was like, Hoopers. It's it's because you said dog one day in a conversation and then all yeah. you get is dog stuff. <laughs> I've just said Hoopers and comments like, Hoopers? We're going to Hoopers. Oh. <laughs> Bless his He's like, we do things, mama. He's flat on his side next to me and I've just said Hoopers and he's like, yes. <laughs> oh good boy bless him um but yeah it started just like go like just coming up and coming up more and more regularly obviously the more you then click on it the more it comes up doesn't it and so I was like okay this looks good but I don't want to pay so they do like six week blocks I was like I don't really want to pay for six weeks in case he hates it and he's absolutely rubbish (laughs) (laughs) yeah we're not going there (laughs) Um, I love the faith you have in him no it's probably actually it's always me it's always the handler isn't it (laughs) um let's say Hooper's first it was seven out of nine eliminations seven out of nine e's for excellence hey Um, mate it's it's all it's all a journey and as long as you and your dog are having fun it doesn't matter what yeah score is at the end well yeah to be fair we haven't done who we haven't been doing Hooper's a year Mm. Actually, it might be coming up a year. It's end end of September we started, so so when this podcast comes out, you will be like just over be just a year, yeah. Yeah. So and it was only at Hooper's Vest. It was only little things. So I would say go left, and he would go right, and then he would run the rest of the course absolutely beautifully. I have a I have a theory that he hates he 
has a thing against going clear and he refuses to do clears. <laughs> so one thing as well, but, um, I don't know if you find it with him, um, and you might find it more the more you do, but I know with um, Dodge, we are better on a clockwise based course than we are on an yeah. anti-clockwise based course. Yeah, and I he is better... His left hips, his worst hips, so he's better going to the right. Yeah, so clockwise than an anti-clockwise. And it is, it'll be his sore hip is on his on the inside. But yeah, even we did a nursery in Legends the first time we went to Croissant, and it was literally just a little horseshoe shape. Mm-hmm. And he dodged one hoop on a straight line as well, if he was. Why would like, you not? Because you know well, it's fun. Yeah. Towards the end, it was as if he was like, "Oh crap, I'm doing too good." Whoop. <laughs> I was like, you you really think, but I bet you right I bet if we like watch the video yeah. I guarantee you like slightly dipped your I, shoulder or slightly like I don't know wiggled a finger the other day I was I training him um I was training dodge and the toy started falling around my neck and I just put my hand on the toy just stop oh, it yeah. falling. and he went to come in I was like that was not a cue for you. To, he was like, I saw you touch the toy. Does that mean we finished? I was like, no, it means I was about to drop no, it because I didn't. Yeah. I being a shit handler and have my toy in completely the incorrect place. Um, here no. we go, little health and safety. Don't put your dog's toy around your neck when you're no. training. No, maybe not a good idea. Especially when it's a shepherd that likes grabbing their toy at the end of the yeah. run. You've never seen me suddenly panic so quick. I went oh no, that was a bad choice. I literally managed to get off my head before. <laughs> Have it. It's not the first time no. I've done it with a shepherd either. I remember doing it with, um, I was training my friends Mally and I put a pull around my neck and she literally looked at me and I went, oh no, that's not good. That's not a good. <laughs> you always go How to get yourself strangled by a dog in one easy step. Put their toy around your neck. Yeah. You always forget though, don't you? So you won't be doing it again for a while. But well, the thing is, as well, don't forget, I'm also used to training chihuahuas, so it's physically impossible for them to get there. So, <laughs> you know, true. It always it's never really been an them. issue in my world until I got a bigger creature that likes to grab bite stuff. Um, yeah. Even with Munchkin, like as long as it was kind of above, I'm going to say boob height. If anything was above the shoulder, it was safe because she wouldn't jump up that high. But um, yeah. Yeah, I I forget the creature can literally put his paws on my shoulder if he really wanted to. Yes. Yeah, you always forget, don't you? And then you just need reminding. You always need reminding. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah. It's, as much as much as you are you're saying that that Comet has decided, I think you have an inner jinx, and that I think it, yeah, get clear. You do something completely ridiculous. I probably get too excited. Um, I get. I recognise that we're about to get a clear, and then I'm like. Not that I chased rosettes, but it was like, I was like, oh my God, we're doing... Oh, oh. mate, I'm, I'm the biggest rosette whore going. I love a yeah. freaking ribbon. So <laughs> <laughs> I will happily admit that. I love a freaking ribbon. Um, but... I just know Heather and Rihanna are going to be shouting at me going like, it's not Comet's fault. It's going to be... It's your fault. And I'm like, I'm sorry. And then I, I do apologise. And you're like, wow, they actually are all ganging up on me. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, but, it, it probably is your fault no shame yeah, I know it's my fault 
<laughs> I know it is. I'm oh, going with him. But I know it's me. So we but, need to work on your calmness in the ring. That's going to be the goal for yes. next year to keep you calm. calm. I need um, to keep calm. <laughs> it is a skill that needs to be learned, though, because it is really easy to get overexcited and then yeah, fuck it all up at the end. You can't um, help it as well, and especially having a collie. Like I, it is literally with him the smallest of little things and that's like since we've been doing hoopers like that's for me like my proper proper I thought I understood dogs until the last year when I've actually been working with him properly if that makes sense mm -hmm. and it is the smallest of little things like I he can be running away from me so I'm like oh he can't see me I'll just like do something the smallest little movement and he'll like pull off a line or something and I'm like how did you see that like and it's just so it's the smallest little things. And I'm I'm like, what what did you do? And they're like, little like you said, like you just dropped your shoulder. And I'm like, oh my God, like yeah, don't move. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. something like you've just slightly, instead of your hand being at your side, you've either lifted it slightly or you've dropped it behind your back yeah. slightly. And they are so sensitive, especially when you're distance handling as well. Like literally the slightest movement yeah changes everything it's yeah. it's crazy how in tune but that's one of the things I love so much about hoopers is that you and your dog are so in tune with each other yeah yeah I don't think we've actually had a closer bond between us than we do now like hoopers actually is the great like the best thing that I, decision I made for him I think yeah because it was like I just decided like I said I didn't want to pay for a six-week box so they over the winter and they're starting them up again now so if anyone does want to go um they do monthly workshops on a saturday mm. so i was like i'll go along to that like an hour or two i can't remember if it was an hour or two try it yeah if we like it we'll continue if we don't i've tried it yeah and um honestly he picked up the hoop within two seconds he was just like oh i go through the hoop okay yep go 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 and i was like yep we're in and then it snowballed from there and gonna keep going <laughs> he's got his superstar level one i've got all my rosettes up on up on display up here i'll show you i'll show you because you can see but the people can't follow. we love a ribbon we love getting a ribbon he's got some rosettes he's got one third place he's had one third place rosette yay but, but that's um, a good start yeah, yeah it cool. was i think that one was with i can't remember if it was five fault oh no that might have been ten faults that's all right. It's it's yeah, all good. progress, and yeah, well, honestly, in a year's time, you will look back and go, "Wow, mm. that's where it started." You know, I'm yeah. The first show I took Dodge to, I think we got eliminated in every single class. Yeah, same. <laughs> because it was just, it was just different environment, different place, lots yeah. of pressure, like. It was all just like, oh my God, this is like, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's like, right. Okay. We need to go in and, you know, we, we do our thing, but I still picked up some ease at Hooperfest. I don't think yeah. you're the only one. Cause no. Do you know what? To be fair, Hooper's Fest, it was a f his first time camping and I hadn't camped for like 10 years either. Mm -hmm. I was more just impressed at actually how well he behaved and how well he coped with everything yeah 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 it is and it, it is different you know when you start going off especially when you go to weekend competitions or mm. like hoop fest is is over two weekends it's actually seven days of competition over 10 days people that don't yeah. know um 
it's it's a lot it's a lot it's for a the lot. dogs and it's a lot for us as well because yeah. your sleep patterns all off because you don't sleep properly like fat yeah don't. um but also like just socially it's it's very intense as well there's a lot of people there's a lot of dogs it's just it's just a lot and I love it but also I'm very aware that I start getting a sensory overload and so does Dodge you know we both kind of go whoa we need a decompression day hang on a minute like you get to a point where you're just like right just just leave me alone for 10 minutes yeah 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 I just need I just need a quick minute to just yeah Yeah. but the thing is I guess I guess the poor thing for the dogs as well is or not the poor thing the thing for the poor dogs is that say for us we can like okay we're just going out for the day and go and drive off and go somewhere and decompress that way but for dogs that's a new thing for them as well so there is literally no way of them switching off bless them so we got back from we only did the first weekend of people first we got back on the tuesday quite late because obviously the m25 um <laughs> those that aren't familiar the m25 is a massive road around london for our international listeners and it's quite often a car park so yeah sometimes it can take you an hour sometimes it can take six literally mm. there is no knowing um so we got back in late thursday i was teaching on the wednesday and he was just kind of chilling in the van he came out the van had a little sniff around the training field had a little trot about that was it. I did zero training, anything. And the Thursday, he didn't even leave the house. Literally, yeah. he just had a day where he could just yeah. sleep. Because he needed that. And, you know, the, the regular listeners know I'm a big fan of decompression days. And I think they're very important yeah. for all dogs. Um, but, yeah. So, Tara, before we finish, like, as from a physio point of yeah. view, what would be kind of your top tip for dog owners with what would be one thing if you could kind of tell every owner is a good thing to do with their dog what would what would be one of your top tips every owner is mm, mm-hmm. oh I've got a thinking I should have this before so <laughs> one. I guess it is a little bit and even for the pet owners it's do fitness and conditioning with them do some sort it's don't just take them out on the walks and don't just you know you you've got to make sure your dog is fit for what you want them to do including the long off lead walks and including the ball play and all the toys and everything like that you know it doesn't take much you know you only need to do even just one session a week where instead of you taking them for a walk, you do little things like sit to stands, cavaletti poles, going up a hill, mm-hmm. or even use it, do it as part of your walk. My One of my really favourite things to do is when we're out on a walk, go, oh, what can we do on this fallen log? Or what can we do um, not far on away this from park the bench? Or yeah. this little wall? Or yeah. Exactly. And it's and little things like that. And it's just building them up and keeping them nice and strong so that they don't break, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that's probably the main one. It's like do a little bit of fitness and conditioning with your dog. Not Instead just of, the walking, not just the playing, just adds a little bit. A little a bit is, and it yeah. doesn't need to be a big session either, does it? Yeah. You literally do like 10, 15 minutes once a week yeah. will make a difference, you know. Exactly. 
it'll make a massive difference with with Comet. He has the attention span of an absolute like of a new, especially if it's boring. Mm-hmm. So one, I like to do a bit of a circuit based with him. So I have like, I'll do like three or four exercises in a in a circuit, and I'll do yeah. like a couple of sit to stands, and then I'll get him standing on the wobble cushion. Then I'll go over the cavaletti poles, and then I don't know, weaving in and out of mm-hmm. the weaves, give him a little break, and then do it again and do it however many times before yeah. he kind of goes like, I've had enough now. Yeah, but quite often that's only 15 20 minutes and then he's yeah. like it's like you're having a bit of a hit session you work them hard and then as well as that he then sleeps for the rest of the day so I'm like <laughs> exactly that because mentally it's tiring as well yeah. so um little news flash to the listeners finally sorted out tiktok actually on tiktok yeah. <laughs> is on tiktok and actually um quite a lot of the videos I've put up obviously there's a lot of dodge doing his fabulous hoopiness but um, we have put up quite a few of his little exercises we do in the garden. And yeah. one of the ones um, that's up there is me using stacking blocks. So literally there's just four bits of wood. And yeah. he just has to stand still on four pieces of wood. Yeah. Yeah. But actually the core strength needed for him to stand still on the four bits of wood is a lot. And then yeah. there's another one for me doing some platform stuff. So him doing some sit stand down on the platform. So it's all body awareness, but it's fitness as well. And yeah, people don't understand that fitness doesn't have to be them running and zooming around. Like yeah. think of in humans, Pilates is not yeah. something that you know you're kind of breaking, particularly breaking a sweat in, but it's very, very good for your body. So yeah doing fitness stuff is important so yeah if you check out the tiktok guys now i've finally actually sorted out tiktok um there are some good ideas on there um tara have you got social media stuff like that people can find you on i do so i'm on facebook uh instagram i have got twitter but i don't know how many people are using it nowadays no no so for facebook and instagram again as the and the twitter as um rec so uh it stands for ruminant equine canine for anyone who wants to know because I thought like I thought kind of again naively I was going to take over the farm world of physio but that hasn't happened um <laughs> so um yeah I'm, I'm the ruminant equine canine physio that just does mainly does canine now but I don't think c-vet physio works anymore it works as well so no no. But yeah, so REC vet physio or veterinary physiotherapy on them. And then I also have Insta- uh, TikTok as well. So under the same name as well. <laughs> but we need to find each other and follow each other. I will. I need to find you. I will find you. I didn't know and, you and if I'm And if I'm doing any fitness stuff and you go, oh, Carrie, that's not quite right. Please do tell me because I'm always up for input. Um, same hoopers wise. If I put something on there, like, please go. You did that wrong. <laughs> right. So you know when you said it was your dog that was doing now I'm gonna next I'm gonna get a massive list now going right you're doing this and you're doing I would not do that at all I would not do that at all because that's not professional I would I would drip feed one thing at a time so as not to overload you myself (laughs) right so um REC on the on the socials for you um REC vet physio um or veterinary physio I think it's veterinary physio but to be I'll fair put it in the show notes send it over and yeah. I'll make sure it's in the show notes so people can yeah. find I you think, I think it. even if you put vet physio come up because like my app when you put out it is vet physio so okay, both cool. should come up 
called Perfect. But yeah, I'm on there, so give me a follow. Wicked, <laughs> and I try and I try and put on there. Yeah, I try and put on there things that people know, so uh, people want to know. So please let me know if there's anything you want to know, and I'll put it on there. Perfect. So yeah, if you've got any ideas for TikTok videos or Insta posts, guys, that might help you and your dogs, then um, drop Tara a message, and she will try and try and help. Make sure it sticks to vet physio. I'm just going to put that out there. (laughs) If you want to know how to bake a cake, you may be following the wrong people. I don't. Yeah, no, don't. Please do not ask me that one. amazing right Tara thank you so so much for your time today it's been amazing um I love the way we digressed a bit into farming but I think it was was a good conversation to have so I appreciate you so as always you can follow my dogs on the socials at Dodge Shepherd at Minx Chihuahua on the Insta we are now on TikTok at Canine Hoopers World and until next time guys stay safe be kind, wash your hands thoroughly, keep your dogs on lead around livestock and don't let them lick toads. Take care guys, bye. www.caninehoopersworld.com Canine Hoopers World now has achievement awards online so anyone anywhere can test their teamwork and get one of our beautiful rosettes. There's even one for puppies. The website will tell you more about that and Hoopers, how to find an instructor. We also offer online training. There are beginners courses, we offer online training in distance handling and there are instructor courses for dog trainers. Join us on Facebook, we have a friendly international group and follow us on Instagram at Canine Hoopers World. Canine Hoopers World, everyone's invited. <laughs>